Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Yes, you and me in the truth, brother. That's all there is. Hey, you know what I love about you, Peter, is you're always on time. You're the only person I know, you and myself, that is uh, always about four minutes early to anything. That's right. I'm, uh, I'm not an LA person. That's the thing. Like, that, that shit drives me nuts. Like everyone, everyone just thinks they're so busy. Oh, I'm so busy. It's like, you're not busier than me. Trust me. You're just rude. Is it that or is it that you don't have a life? And so you have to come early to everything. Dude, I don't know anyone that's busier than me, honestly. That oh. is true. You are very busy. Hey, uh, one thing we're not going to talk about on this episode is um, the size of our frying pans. Yeah. I mean, my frying pan is bigger. It always has been a lot bigger, but I don't know whether that's just compensation or whether, you know, whether I just need a big frying pan. I used to live with Peter. I used to live with Peter. And John Kim. Well, uh, he eats more than, uh, I would say, four normal, four average people he eats more than. Or do you eat less than the average female teenager? <laughs> where uh, where, guys, where where are we going to take this podcast? We're going to take it all over the place. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the Paris Fit Podcast. I am with my good friend, uh, author and therapist John Kim, aka the Angry Therapist, who really isn't that angry. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, John, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. As you uh, as you know, I love you. You're a good friend. Uh, you're also one of the one of the busiest guys I know. And you're you're busy in a very different way than me and we'll jump into that in a second but you're in an interesting point in your life where you have this new this new book that just came out uh, single on purpose but you're also at a point um where this is the first book you've done not as just you you're doing it in, in partnership with with Vanessa um and that's the first time you've done that right and yes it's an interesting transition for you because you've always kind of been this like single dude the single guy um that's kind of been your audience that's been your your kind of like platform but now you're in a different situation you're in a relationship you have a kid you're touring together i know you've done a lot of like book signings together a lot of um like seminars together as a couple how has we, that changed and how you made a baby together made a baby, baby together. Um, was it you was it not you <laughs> but it's debatable but Hey, uh, first of all, the book is called "It's Not Me, It's You." You, oh, yeah, you, it's you called it "Single on Purpose." Yeah, yeah, probably on purpose. You said that. Um, what's the question? Uh, how how has the experience been different for you? Like, have you made that adjustment to being just being you? So, single on purpose was just right, right. And then it's not me; it's you. It's done as a couple, done as a, a relationship thing, and everything you've the way you've promoted it, the way you've taught, the way yeah, you've, uh, experience. Well, listen, you're a writer as well. I had a fear of, um, and I know you have issues with control. So I had a fear of losing control with art, right? And so all my other books was just me. And so when I thought, okay, I want to write a book about relationships, um, but I'm going to bring my partner in. I felt like, fuck, you know, you, um, you, you, I didn't want to not be the leader of the band, right? So I had a lot of fear, but I, I, said, I said to myself, okay, what would make a better book? Right. And you probably asked this about your business and all your stuff. What would be um, the best product? Right. And to be honest, it would be bringing in my partner, who's also a therapist, who's going to call me out on my own shit. If I just wrote a relationship book on my own, it would just be through my own lens and a lot of, you know, me um, on a behind the podium. Right. And uh, I thought it wouldn't be that interesting. And so I brought her in. And it was exactly what I thought. It was challenging. It was uh, scary. There's stuff in the book that uh, we put out there that is very personal. And, uh, you know, we, did, we had a rocky beginning. We, it wasn't uh, love at first sight and all of that. And so um, to kind of revisit that uh, was uh, – <laughs> it was triggering. and It was interesting. Uh, it was difficult. But the book, you know, but we're proud of the book and it's out. And, uh, yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, no, I'm just um... – because this is, your, this is your fourth or fifth book now. Uh, five, number five. So this is your fifth book. Yes. And your audience, you know, has always responded to you as a, you know, a, the, the kind of single guy going about life and trying to find his path. Yeah. 
what's the response been now that you are, you know, in this partnership? Has the response been good or are people like, well, what happened to the single on purpose guy? You know, I, I don't know because I try not to uh, get concerned with what people think or uh, my insecurities will shine. I will start to doubt myself. I have to just lock my gear in forward. Um, the reviews are good, but yeah, I don't know what people are thinking. I mean, I might have uh, lost some people. I might have gained some people. Um, but sure. here's the, the, the truth is I'm not single anymore. The truth is uh, I'm in a partnership and we're building a life together and that's where I'm at. So, you know, as a writer, I, I think you just always have to go back to um, writing what's honest. Yeah. And obviously two therapists coming together to write a book that immediately presents, you know, not only a wealth of experience, because you both have your own experiences as therapists in your individual right. And they come together as two therapists. Um, that must be a real trip. Like, to talk about like your experiences as therapists, as well as being like a man and a woman coming together. Yeah, yeah. There's so much there that you can kind of delve into. Yeah, um, I would. I if, if so, if Vanessa wasn't a therapist, um, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, it would be like you partnering with someone to write a book about fitness, but the person you're partnering with, you may you may love, but it doesn't have any kind of fitness training, right? right. So, um, in order for us to uh, be kind of, uh, you know, uh, on equal terms and bring something valuable to the table. Uh, both people have to be uh, certified. Both people have to have some kind of street cred. And so if she wasn't a therapist, but she was just my partner I'm bringing in, it wouldn't have worked. It would have felt um, kind of phony. And I'm just kind of bringing someone in, you know, uh, and, and maybe I shouldn't say bringing someone in because it was our book. We had to sell it together. It wasn't something like um, right. You know, right, right. It was did, something did we, she, we built from scratch. Did she pitch it to you in the beginning? Did you pitch it to her? Was it like a publishing idea? Was it who pitched it to who? Uh, I, I pitched it to her. Uh, the uh, publisher wanted a uh, what's next for you. And I wanted to write a book about relationships and love. I've been saving it. I always thought I would call it Love Hard. And um, uh, don't laugh at me, Peter. I'm laughing. I like and, it. Uh, and, uh, um, I pitched to, to Vanessa. I said, what if we wrote this together? And then mm -hmm. she was on board. That's um, right. And as, as it stands now, like, obviously you've built your identity a certain way over the years. Has you, do you feel like an identity shift or, you know, do you still see yourself as the same angry therapist or, you know, are things changing for you on a personal level? Obviously your situation is different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But do you find yourself like, who I who is the angry therapist? What the identity of what that once was? Do you feel a shift in that now that you are kind of writing as a couple in a relationship and have this different life dynamic? Yeah, you know, um, you know, a lot more men follow me now. So in the beginning, uh, when I was going through a divorce and uh, yeah, I bought a motorcycle and I was doing CrossFit uh, ten years ago, I, I think. Um, a lot of women followed me because here's a guy talking about a broken heart. I, maybe they felt sorry for me. Maybe they were curious about what a guy goes through. I don't know. Um, but 90% of my um, uh, uh, followers were, were women. But now it's equal. I think a lot of men have kind of come over. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what happened uh, because I'm definitely not more quote unquote manly, uh, at least through your eyes. Definitely not. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but you know what? Not all men are attracted to manly men, Peter. That's true. But it, you know, this is great because that was my next question to you as a, your audience. Like, how would your audience change with that, the, the relationship angle? Um, and that's interesting that it did go from that. Um, what I see, honestly, um, you know, whether it's the relationship or whether it's parenthood, whatever it is, and, and when you're busy and when you're entrepreneurial and you're trying to do all these different things, it's a diff difficult juggling and, you know, all these things come into play. Your, your past comes into play. Your past relationships come into play. Your, yeah. your, your own ambition comes into play. Your hopes for your children comes into play. There's so many different things that I think people can now relate to. Um, because I think before, a lot of people relate to you as a single guy. There's a lot of single guys out there like, I can relate to this guy. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people go through, uh, I mean, me and you, we were kind of late to the marriage game. We were late to the fatherhood game. No, no, no. I was not late, Peter. I got married when I was 29. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were, you were, maybe you should use some I statements in this interview. Uh, right. You were late. You were late to the marriage game. I was I, I got married at 29 and then I got a divorce five years later. 
Um, which, which, is, which is what started the Angry Therapist Project in the first place. Right? Yes, yes. But, um, but once, you, once you find yourself in a situation of, you know, marrying in your like, late 30s, early 40s, you know, having a, having a kid in your 40s, um, but really for both me and you, I think our careers, no, not, not my career wasn't like going somewhere before, but it really established, didn't establish itself until I was 40. Um, yeah. And I think yours probably took off in your 40s. Yeah, but has that been the pattern for you? Were you always a kind of a late bloomer or no? I know you're the, the youngest in sibling position. Um, I think I've always been, my, my issue was, uh, it's been a commitment issue. Um, I was always never ready to say like, this is my, I was always worried about saying, this is my job. This is my life. Or this is my relationship. This is my life for the rest of my life. So the I permanence was afraid, of that. afraid yeah. of commitment in that way. Um, whereas now I'm very much like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to build. This yeah. is the direction I want to go. And with Emily, it's like, this is the relationship I want to have. This is the family I want to have. This is the place I want to be. Um, so something changed in me, um, you know, in my 40s. That I don't know whether it's because you become a lot more aware of like how much time you have left or time running out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you know, you think you're going to live forever. You think you can do anything. You think you've got all this time. And then suddenly I became very aware of time. Like I've got so many years to do that, the stuff that I really want to do to build something meaningful to like, I was passionate before, like I was passionate about, you know, fitness and about connection and about building things, building communities and stuff. But it wasn't until like Farrell something that I really like honed in on that and was able to create something that I just, I feel, I felt like I would be worthy of my energies and that I could, I could actually produce something tangible. Um, so, prior to that, a lot of my, a lot of my work had been very transient, like come and go, right. people, people leave, right. train actors to, do the film then that ends they leave then you have to build new relationships it's all very this kind of transient process you, you know we have something in common i just had this revelation uh so me being alone uh divorce recovery motorcycle finding uh crossfit fitness all of that uh and also you being at that time you were also alone because you were hopping from movie sets training people we both kind of were um nomadic we kind of both lived a nomadic lifestyle, me and Los Feliz and you and, uh, you know, in uh, just traveling on on uh, project to yeah. project, project, right? And then uh, we both got into a relationship and also we both started building. And here's what's interesting. You build communities in person and you also build with your hands, right? I build communities online and I don't build with my hands, meaning, I mean, I can't put anything uh, together, to be honest with you, uh, not even like an Ikea couch. But I, but I, but I, um, um, I work, uh, I don't, I don't know how you would describe it, but, um, you know, uh, whether it's writing books or, um, using tech, using, uh, platforms like this, um, uh, but you actually, you were more brick and mortar. I'm more, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, go, going back just to what you were saying, like the interesting thing about, well, maybe some people think it's interesting when they don't, but although, I was in relationships before Emily. I weirdly almost always saw myself as a like a single person, like a lone wolf type character. Right. So physically I was in relationships, and this would be awful for anybody that was in, ever in a relationship with me to hear, but they kind of know. Um, there was a disconnect there, and I saw mm-hmm. myself as going out and doing things on my own, as being like um, you know, the kind of like the cowboy. The cowboy, the kind of yeah. like um, the pioneer, like going out on my own, doing something. And it was very, um, the, the reasons why my relationships in the past struggled was I just couldn't see how that worked with someone else. I couldn't see a path with someone oh. else. I couldn't see a path. Yeah. And, and that, uh, these things. And I don't know where you fit into this picture. Right. You know, so like, you were in relationships, but then there's no way you could be present because your right. image was, was- uh, the, the cowboy yes, out on his own yeah right the image the image in my mind in my what destiny sounds like a funny word but what i thought i was destined for didn't involve that person at that time that was something i always struggled with so when i talk about commitment and when i say i struggled with commitment it's because i had such big dreams and such mm. and such a vivid like path that i wanted to go down and i just couldn't understand how anybody could fit on that path with me in the relationship that I had prior. Um, and some of that was just youth and some of that was just, you know, 
you know, I, you know, I, I want to experience things and I don't want to be like stuck in this situation. But and some of it was like it was just the wrong relationship at the wrong time in the wrong place. Right. Right. And maybe it wasn't anything to do with the person. Uh, I think it probably was, but maybe it wasn't. But um, when I when I met Emily and when the, the Ferris project started, so everything kind of like came into place. And immediately I had this kind of like path and situation that worked and a life that made sense to me. Wait, hold on. There's something really important here, uh, and I think it overlaps both fitness, your podcast, the Ferris podcast, and also my podcast, uh, the Single on Purpose podcast. Hey, if you're listening to this, like the Complex magazine in the 90s, the one, one cover is Pete, me, uh, me interviewing Pete, and then if you flip it uh, upside down, then it's Pete interviewing me. So this episode uh, can flip, flip both, both ways. Yeah. Uh, do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about in the 90s, Peter? I don't know if you were in um, America or not. Yeah, these have magazines with two different people that you could flip back and forth. So this is the podcast version of that, just to let people know, because they might get kind of confused. What show are we doing here? Um, Hey, here's what's really interesting in overlaps, wellness, overlaps, fitness. Uh, The power of visualization in that I know you grew up with a lot of visuals. So whether that was Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Springsteen, um, Baywatch, I'm sure that poster was in your bedroom, but the image you had of the um yeah the nomadic cowboy on this adventure on on your own um dude i think you subconsciously trace that right so in 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 and i still see elements of it now even though you 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 have a family there's something about you that um is very kind of like that uh superhero the lone you know going on these uh things kind of alone doing your own thing i see you even like moving to idlewild that even though you did move with your family and all that that's kind of uh the the spirit uh, of that is still there yeah um it is an interesting thing um and again i think it took you know emily's a very independent woman like as vanessa is yeah yeah and i think it, it, it took an independent woman for me to be like like i can still do these things i can still you know, go off on my own and ride a horse and it not be uh, an issue. Whereas relationships in the past would have been, well, why can't I come? Why can't I do this with you? Why can't I do that with you? Um, oh, maybe you thought that a relationship looks like uh, entrapment or looks like if I'm in this or I love this person, then I can't go do these other things. And maybe uh, Emily was the first one where you felt, oh, in this relationship, I can. And so I feel safer. Yeah. And I don't, again, it, it could be elements of youth. Like there's the classic thing of like, there's the Springsteen thing like Born to Run, right? Where you're like, you're you're the kid that grows up in a small town and you just want to get out and you right. think it means escape and you think it means just going off on your own and riding off into the sunset. But of course that ends up with loneliness, right? You know, freedom, freedom and loneliness, they kind of right. go hand in hand. So at what point are you searching for freedom versus searching for connection? And when you make the connection that works, that's what freedom is, right? You, because none of us are born to be alone. None of us, uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're meant to be in relationships, whether that's with a, a social group, whether that's with a person, that's yeah. as human beings, how we, how we evolved. So none of us are meant to be completely isolated. So at some point you come to that realization of like, well, this doesn't work either. Like I remember thinking when I was doing the film stuff originally, like I, I love this life. I love like just going from like gig to gig and being like the guy on the road and like living out of a suitcase. Mm-hmm. but you know that life i mean people will tell people in bands who've been touring for years they'll tell you the same thing like without connection that actually ends up being pretty pretty meaningless yeah so at some point you have to and i don't see it as like settling or settling down so much as like just realizing that the connection means more than the escape and that just because you know and i still have those like like those cow that cowboy imagery that kind of local thing in, in my in my heart it's like i i know full well that i need relationships i need my son i need emily i sure. need my i need the like the Pharaoh's community i need my friendships because um one thing like my experiences have taught me is that i'm actually i'm actually not that great on my own um mm. i if i'm if i'm left on my own for too long what do you I, do what, what what are your vices if you're alone um, I think I get, I, I think I get too negative. Uh, I probably be a lot, a lot more sad, um, yeah. a, a lot more kind of like depressed is the wrong word. I've never been a depressed person. I've always been, um, 
I've always been excited about the world, excited about life, mm. like wanting to do things. My frustrations always came from how am I going to get from point A to point B? How am I going to make these things happen? And I couldn't do it. And I would be frustrated and sad. Like the worst points of my life have been like, I had this, this, these visions, this imagery of where I wanted to be. If I lost hope of like, I, I can't see how I could get there anymore. That's when I'd be like, Oh fuck. I, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, and it wasn't because I thought the world was fucked and I hated life and I hated like everything around me. I loved everything. And I was like, how do I, how do I live out the life that I want? And if I lost the bridge to that, that's when I would get like down. So if you pair that with like, if I'm alone, if I can't find any hope or can't find a path out of the situation, that's when I'd be like, I'm, a, I'm, getting, I'm getting myself in mental trouble here. I need to like find a way out. Yeah. Sorry. And you know, I don't feel like, cause you're such an upbeat, positive person. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't ever see you like negative. And if you are uh, in a negative space, it's very brief. And then you kind of pull yourself back up. Uh, but I think what yeah. you're talking about is the thymia, which is just kind of a low grade. It's not depression where you can't get off the couch, but it's kind of a grayed no. out. Yeah. The thymia. Yeah, I've always been, um, I've always been pretty like resilient and determined. So I've had some setbacks in my life, like anybody. Yeah. But I was always like, fuck you. This is a test. I'm going to fucking keep going. You just watch me. Um, I've always been of that mindset. You're not, you're not like that in your workouts though, but, but you, but you're right. You are like that in other parts of your life. Like, uh, what do you mean? Uh, I'm not like my workouts. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I just, I just meant that, you know, in workouts, you don't have the determination you do with, uh, right, right, right. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just joking. It's, it's um, there, Peter. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that is, that is something like, um, I think I sort out, um, friendships uh, and you know whether it's interesting when we talk about relationships because in this context you know we talk about a relationship between a partnership whether that be a man or a woman or a man or whatever but um, I had a lot of meaningful like um, brotherhood type yeah. relationships um, or friendship type relationships which were which prevented me and saved me from being alone which I think were really uh, important yeah and, you know, like you mentioned about being a writer, like I used, to, I used to write, I mean, I used to write a lot more than I write now, whether it be like songs or short stories, whatever. And when I was alone, that's what I would do. I would have mm-hmm. that outlet. That's, and that, in fact, that's when I wrote my best stuff, as I'm sure you did. Yeah. Uh, when I was alone, when I was feeling lonely, when I felt like the, the frustration of loneliness, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good art comes out of that situation. And, you know, one of the reasons why I've, written less and less in in, in year in the years recent years that have gone by is that I don't really feel alone. It's you know, I have so much around me, I have so much going on. I'm almost too busy to feel those sensations. So for better or worse, like I don't really really write that much anymore. I've just kind of taken myself out of that, you know, you can vulnerable place or whatever. And maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously, but what for whatever reason I've created a life where I'm always busy. I always have people around with me. It's hard to be alone, to be honest. It's hard to find time to be alone. Like we've talked about this before, but those moments sometimes in the gym where I find myself alone and I can just do my workout on my own, precious, like precious. And not because I don't love being around people, but everybody needs a a little time away. Um, hey but do, do you also feel like because because you do work a lot uh you're very busy um do you feel like sometimes if you're working too much uh you can feel alone like where in your life do you feel um loneliness I, that's what i mean i i don't i don't really feel that uh, anymore mm. um and again for better or worse i don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but um you know, we've, we've just been so busy these past few years, you know, and with, with Wyatt and with a new, uh, a new boy on the way and with the two businesses now. Um, and I still, I still only, I only ever scratch the surface of what I really want to do. Um, I never, I never feel boredom ever. Um, I well, never, because, I mean, because you're so busy building, um, don't you feel lonely in doing that? Because uh, one of the things that you and I also have in common is we can be obsessive, right? Yeah. We all, we both have big dreams. We're also, I could fall into a tunnel and not come out for weeks, whether it's writing a book or building a community or whatever, producing content. Um, and I can feel lonely in that. And then I, I have to remind myself, oh, I'm a social animal. Yeah. Um, I, I, I should go out and have coffee with someone or I should connect because I, think I could lose myself in this work. I think it's different for us. I mean, that 
you know, like I said, writing is a very solitary action, right? You have well, to yeah, 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 that's different. Yeah. You almost have to go away and lock yourself in a room to do it. Whereas I'm in a situation where everything I do is, is social. Everything I do involves a community. So whether I'm building something, I need to work with other people, mm. uh, whether like me and Emily are working on the business from home, um, whatever it is, it always involves uh, another person. Very, very rarely am I, you know, solo doing anything. Yeah, but but here's, I want to point something out. Just because you're around a lot of people doesn't mean that uh, you don't feel loneliness. So now, it, uh, I'm not saying that you don't have meaningful relationships, but if you're around a lot of people and there's a lot of business, a lot of celebrities are lonely, but they're always around people, right? Movie yeah, stuff. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, I think what helps for me is uh, not so much how many people are around me, um, but the uh, the quality of the relationship and uh, how you know what, what what kind of quality time is mixed in with with all that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mentioned before um, about you know kind of brotherhood and um, you know relationships with, with friends and that kind of stuff. You know, if there's anything I regret over the years, it is not doing enough to hold on to those relationships or not spending enough time with, with friends. Like, you know, I, I know guys when I like our, our friend Jeff, you know, they're, they're still friends with their friends from school and friends from college and all that kind of stuff. I've always kind of very much been, and don't get me wrong, I'm still like in touch with people, whether it be like on, on Facebook or something like that, but I don't have meaningful conversations with people I was with in school or people I was with in college anymore. Right. Um, I've always been like, once I've moved on, I've kind of moved on. And that's, that's been kind of it. Um, so yeah, if there's anything I would get, like, I, I, sh- I should have maybe had more conversations and maybe brought up with people more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why that is. I've just always like been pretty, I guess, transient with my relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Like, move my, whether my geographical situation is taking me away from someone or just my, I've just evolved in a different space. Um, th- those, I, you know, I, I disagree with you in that, um, I don't think history alone, uh, makes, uh, a relationship worth investing in. So you're talking about uh, college friends, you're talking about people you went to high, you know, you're talking about back in the day. Now, if those people have grown with you and they've changed and you guys have things in common, then of course, you know, it, it's amazing to have friends with history, but if you have moved on, uh, if you've moved to a different country, if you're doing something different, um, it's really hard. And I don't think, I don't think you have to um, be friends with people because you have history with them. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I, you know, I have friends from university. Like if we were in a room tomorrow, we'd snap right back into mm-hmm. it and it would be great. Be great. Right, right. But for whatever reason, like, you know, I don't know whether this is a masculine and feminine thing, but I know like, Emily, Emily will call up a friend that she hasn't seen or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have like an hour conversation and I'll have a catch up. I will never fucking do that. Like, I will never. Why? Is that an ego thing? Why, why wouldn't you call? Like, even, even if you wanted to, you wouldn't do it? I just wouldn't want it. Mm. I've never, I've never had, I mean, I'll, you know, my family's different. Like, I'll speak to my. Yeah, of course. My, my right. family, my mother, my right. father. You know, but I, you know, I I've do, never, wait, do like, they do do they represent your past and something that you're running away from? Like, you know, is it because I think so? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the amount of times I've done it, like I count on my hand. Like, I've, yeah, I've called up a friend out of the blue that I haven't seen for a while. Be like, I just wanted to have a, a catch up, um, and I just haven't done it. And I don't know why. And I don't know what whether it's because I'm always just thinking about the next thing, or I'm always too busy, or whatever it is. But yeah, it's 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 something that I kind of kind of regret um just like i regret like i haven't like journaled in my life i know you've always journaled and you've bought yeah. a lot of stuff i kind of regret that because i've been through some interesting experiences that i wish i could remember more about but um yeah do you do you make what, a do you make an effort these days to um not your history friends but uh, friends around you uh um, like emily would do do you do that with um friends in your life to, to grab coffee or uh, some time for you and the, the, that yeah person? I'm a lot better now um, especially I think Idlewild has been really good for me and mm-hmm. that it seems like a less hectic busy place so I feel like like I can have time to like catch up with whether it's Jason or like friends that live here it seems like a much more kind of like how I grew up and more of a relaxed uh, small town vibe um, I think the city is very like Everyone in a rush, people coming and going, no one has time for each other kind of situation. Whereas here, it seems a lot more like 
have the people I rode horses with, it feels like a lot more relaxed and we can have conversations. You know, and I think that's what I'm craving more is that connection to a local, you know, a local community that doesn't yeah. feel so rushed and so um so crazy, even though my mind and business stuff's always like crazy in my head. It's like I have these moments here um where in the mountains where I can be like calmer and more patient, more present. Um and yeah, it just it just it just kind of makes more sense like when you've come up, just you know how it feels. It feels like a little different. It doesn't feel quite quite so um quite so in a rush. Yeah, I love it up there. Hey, question for you, because we're both yeah. turning uh fifty this year. Um, did you do you believe that um that the life that you're living now, Peter, do you believe yeah. that the life that you're living now is what you imagine as a as a boy or even a teenager like when you when you when you like dreamed okay in my 40s uh 50s this is what i see here's the island this is what's gonna uh make me happy is that visual different than what's happening now in real life it is weirdly it is weirdly moving toward what i always dreamed and we, we talked about this a lot but i think within the next couple of years um we will have a ranch I will have horses. Yeah. My family will live on the ranch. We'll be connected to nature and we'll grow stuff. And it will be like the Western, you know, the Western life that my childhood self dreamed of. Um, which sounds hokey and crazy, but that's that's kind of what's happened. Now, when I was young, like in my teenage, did I did I imagine I would own gyms and be a gym owner? No. Like the actual like day-to-day, what my life looked out looked like, no. But the big vision board of like, what does my life look like with a family, with children, on a ranch, with horses, with nature, in the American, the great American landscape, that's exactly on a motorcycle, that's exactly what I dream of. So the path to getting here, no. But the grand vision of my life and what that looks like, then yes. Yeah, it's amazing to me because um, I see it unfolding. I see as you uh, tell me, hey, look, I'm checking out this ranch or, you know, even when you moved to Idlewild, um, I was like, what is going on with Peter? But, but you know, knowing your story, um, dude, you're tracing this imprint that I think that you've had since you were a kid, which is – uh yeah this like kind of western america right the yeah. uh, ranch raising uh you know uh animals and and then also on the other side you know business and gyms and you know you're obsessed with fitness so um having uh not one but many gyms right it's all uh yeah it's yeah. all kind of happening and i and of course it took a lot of hard work to get there but it's really interesting to kind of be um on the bleachers um for as long as i've known you and kind of watching this uh this painting emerged it's it's it's, it's fascinating because i think it, i think most of it peter is subconscious i think it's in you it's always been in you it's just like it's you're manifesting and shit now yeah yeah and as you grow obviously like i'm making connections now that i want to make i i'm finding passions like the regenerative farming thing which makes so much sense to me i'm i'm um i'm feeling closer to that like i'm finding things that means something um, that are tangible things that I can do and that I can be involved in that, 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 that makes sense. Um, and yeah, which, which I love because it makes you less of a cardboard cutout. Um, right. Because, you know, fitness isn't just about um, lifting heavy and, you know, yeah, sweating, but it's a, you know, it's a lifestyle. So yeah, that's interesting. that you're interested in something else like that is uh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And I, it's interesting when, when I'm building this new gym, because we just built this new gym in our world, and going back and looking at, like, okay, why are we doing this? Like, what is this really about? Honestly, the honest answer is it's all about connection. It's all about building something meaningful for a community that needs it and for people to have, you know, a center for that, for that energy, um, for that physical energy, that kind of mental energy, that physical expression. Um, that's what excites me. Like, I like lifting weights, sure, but build, I don't build a gym because I want to lift weights. I build a gym because I want to make those connections. And I want people to feel that experience of like what that what that place can do for you. You know, you you've been you, you know CrossFit changed your life, fitness changed your life. You went from being you know lonely, depressed, whatever it was. You know, you found fitness, you found 
your, your career as a writer and it kind of changed you. You needed it. Not only did it change you physically, but it changed you mentally. So you know what that feels like. And I want everybody to know what that feels like. Um, and when we talk about what fitness is, it is the first line of defense against mental and physical health. So we are saying, you know, through fitness, nutrition and lifestyle changes, we can protect you to some degree against, you know, uh, mental health issues, physical health issues. Um, we don't want we don't want you to be on a ton of meds. We don't want you to get sick. We want to, we want to help you and we can help you. Uh, we can prevent things from happening as opposed to like waiting for them to happen and then trying to find a bunch of things to solve it. Um, maybe we can start from this point and prevent that ever happening. And whether you know, that's with adults, whether that's with younger people, um, there's just so much meaningful stuff that we can do. Um, and you know, so- you know what came out of fitness for me um, wasn't just the uh, the uh, uh, daily sweat. It was actually um, what you're talking about is community. Right. So um, I I used I mean I I used to work out a lot just going to the gym by myself and you know doing chest and arms that kind of thing um, back and buys or whatever. But but then when I found CrossFit, it came with barbecues and sweating with other people yeah. and conversations and all that. And so uh, as adults, uh, we lose the uh, plug and play we had in school, recess yeah. and soccer and well, all these. Yeah, and that, that's what honestly that's why CrossFit was so great because you you get back into team stuff like. When you're in school and college, you had teams like you were on the football team or the basketball team or whatever team it was. You were involved in some kind of social interaction, interaction involved teams and competitiveness and banter. You know, it's very easy to lose that as an adult. It's very easy to just slip away and just like lose those connections and not be involved in anything of that nature. And what CrossFit did is it brought that back into the, the consciousness of like, oh, fuck, this is. This is the team experience that I felt as a kid. This is the competitive thing. This is the social interaction I felt when I was involved in something like that. And it brought all that back. And for all you know, for all of the years that have gone by and all the all the shit that's happened in CrossFit and do this, do that, none of that really matters. Like the whole point was what it did for someone's journey in terms of their relationships and the way that they felt connected to people and they had a, a group and interaction. It wasn't just like headphones on, go to the gym, do your own thing and leave. It was like social social yeah yeah you know um you know in high school i was on the football team but i never played so for the four years i was on you think that's funny well so i i was a bench warmer peter i was a bench warmer okay so um four years and and you know people like our friend jeff wasn't right i think he was kind of a a halfback for a string whatever um all the all-american football football guy uh so people like uh the the friends that we have they were on the field playing and little John Kim, 135 pounds wet, was on the um, the, the the sidelines. And because of those four years, the false belief that I absorbed was I'm not an athlete. And although I was athletic because I used to break dance and I used to skate and all that, um, I thought I wasn't an athlete. And so when I found CrossFit, one of the things that I, that uh, I, I attracted that attracted me to it was it gave me a second chance. And I wonder if. Um, my obsession with it and also even today is almost 50 kind of getting um, carried away with being competitive is me trying to make up for, you know, the high school years where I was a bench warmer. I think probably, but it's also like, it's also just, you found a way to physically express yourself. And yes, I say this to a lot of people, they don't know how to physically express themselves for whatever reason, whether they were like had some childhood trauma or they never felt they were an athlete or they weren't good at soccer or they weren't good at football once you find an outlet of physical expression, maybe it's CrossFit, maybe it's dance, whatever it is, right. you change because you find a way to be step into a different version of yourself. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not, you're not becoming someone different, but you are bringing out a side of you that, that you didn't know how to release before. And once you find that release, once you, tap, once you open that door, it's a whole new fucking ball game. And oh, when you see that as a gym owner or as a trainer, it's like, fuck yeah, like I changed that person's life. I made a right. difference. Right. Um, and that's that's what's great about training, honestly. Like giving someone a big chest or big legs, whatever, that's one thing. But seeing someone come alive or seeing someone grow into a different right. version of themselves, you know, that's the game changer, really. And that's, well, I mean, that's- I can relate to that. I mean, we, we both, the, the other thing we have in common is uh, you change people's lives through the door of fitness and their body. You work on the outside in, and I work kind of on the inside out. I'm not saying you don't work on one's inside, but, um, you know, mine's through therapy and yours is through fitness. Right. So I I start with the outside and find the way in. 
Whereas you start then starting to find the way out because I always say like the gym really is, is, is a theater in which you can find personality. Like the thing that the personality that comes out in the gym starts to spread into the, the real world. Like you start to, you start to um, express yourself in the gym and that expression carries over into your external life. Your, your, um, so you almost release something or unlock something in the gym. And once it's unlocked, it'll, it'll, it'll pay dividends to the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, but some people, you, you can't just, I mean, you know, as a therapist, you can't, you can't find a way in um, with words. Sometimes you need to find, find sure. a way in through physical action. Sure. And, you know, you've seen people like I've seen people break down in a workout to the point of tears. Yeah. But they needed that. They needed to be broken down. They needed to experience that kind of a trauma to have a, a breakthrough. Um, so it can be a very um working out can be a very, a very emotional thing. Um, I think on the surface, people see it as like sets and reps and works and stuff. But um people's relationship to working out and physical action can be very emotional. Yeah, and I I don't know if I would define it as a breaking down term. I mean, you you kind of describe it as kind of a North North Korea thing. Uh, I I think there is a uh, a reunion with self. I think there is a uh, so I think that tears come from either this revelation that holy fuck I just did you know something that I didn't think could do like if someone you know runs a marathon or does you know um, a crossfit or something pull up. Or this is why when you when you when you when you hear uh, when you uh, uh, when someone does their first muscle up for the first time, they're on the ring and their eyes are wide and you could hear them from a mile away because they can't believe they just did this. So I think there's a lot of emotion that comes from um, accomplishing something physical that you didn't think could do. And in that, there is, of course, a reunion. There's a connection. There's confidence. There's all this stuff happening. And that's why it can get emotional, you know? Yeah. There's a revelation that comes with capability, right? You, yes. You- you yes. don't believe that you're capable of something, and then all of a sudden you're capable of something, and that's like holy shit! I've accomplished something that I never thought I'd be able to do. And that right, right. I just, I just don't want people to think at Pharaohs that you guys beat people down um, and right. give them a traumatic experience. No, no, no. That's how you described it. I just want to correct that for you as someone who is not your PR, but you know, um, I'm a member. And I, but, but what we're talking about really is skill acquisition. And when when we're kids and we're growing up, we're acquiring new skills all the time. That's part of the learning process, right? But at a certain point in our lives, right. it's easy to start acquiring new skills because maybe we got we have a nine to five job. We go home. Yeah, cubicle, right? Uh, nine to five, punching a clock, not doing anything physical. Right, we we lose that ambition for acquiring new skills, and then sometimes when people find that in the gym, they remember that sensation of like, oh shit, I just taught myself something new. I taught mentally, I taught myself something new. Physically, I taught myself something new, and it's like magic, you know. Um, that's actually that's you know what you're you're actually right and this is um the power of fitness when it comes to one's personal growth uh i remember you know we when you know we were flipping tires and alleyways in 2010 and then when i got into it uh and of course you know all the guys were very competitive um it was through these uh little accomplishments like what you're saying where i had little internal shifts and i thought oh shit it i i did something today or i tied someone or i beat someone now what else could I do? It's like your mind your mind expands from yes. I can't to wait, what else is possible through yeah. the door of something physical? Yeah, like you're saying, like one light turns on another light. So once you've made that first light turn on, it's like, well, maybe I can turn this light on. Maybe I can turn that light on. And suddenly all those lights turn on and you illuminate a whole new life. And it's just one small thing at a time. I mean, uh, but what's really happening is you're becoming less afraid as these lights turn on. Right. You're realizing there's no one under the bed. Well, the great thing, and again, the great thing about the gym is failure, right? Like you fail all the time and then you go again and you fail and you go again. Eventually you win and then you become less afraid of failure. Um, You know, I I mean, it's a silly example, but I can remember trying to do a sub seven minute 2K row, which like, who cares? But Mm -hmm. I failed it a bunch of times. And the first time I did it, I was like, I felt like I was fucking 10 feet tall, like the mm-hmm. fucking biggest man alive. It's stupid. It doesn't mean anything. But all it Well, it means something to you. Yeah. And that's it what matters. Means, it means there was something you couldn't do and you worked hard and right. then you were able to do it. And that is the power of hard work. Yeah. And I think that's something that's easily 
forgotten or easily uh, overlooked these days. It's like you, you experience happiness and you experience um, the feeling of accomplishment when you work for something and then you made it happen. You don't feel anything when you are just bought something or something is just given to you. And that's a lot of the problems I see today um, is people thinking if they just get this, if they just get that, they'll be happy. But unless you fucking work for it, unless you fucking grind for it, and then it happens, like you, you and your writing career, you and your books, like you fucking grab, you, you grinded so hard for that opportunity. You made that happen. So when the book comes out, you feel, fuck, I fucking made this happen. If, if you'd have been like, I think about this with like, you know, maybe, maybe an actor or anybody who's just been like handed a career or handed mm. some, or, you know, something's just been passed to them. Do they really care about it? Do they value it? Do they value it to the same extent that you and me value it? Like, I fucking worked so hard for this. I made it happen. This has extreme value for me. If it was just handed to you, you would never have, um, you would never uh, experience that same sensation. So I don't think, I don't think, um, I think we'd be friends, but I don't think you would respect me if um, I got things because of either I knew someone or if things were handed to me. Um, I think it'd be very different, you know, because I think you, uh, which is great. I think you hold someone building something from scratch. I think you hold that up high. I think you, you respect that. And that's also what, what you do. Right. So, um, cause we have friends that, you know, uh, were born with uh, silver spoons or with a, with a lot, lot of money. And, um, both of us kind of started with nothing. I didn't even, I didn't have an agent. I had to query people. I had to, I started with, a, with, with a blog and a broken heart. Right. So, um, if if I didn't earn my way, but I uh, got in because I live in LA, knew people, I don't think you would have much respect for me. I think you'd be nice to me on the surface, but I don't think we'd be right, like, right. Know. And I think, and I think that is, you know, that is a lot of the problems with celebrity and the blue check mark and all. I think people people are like impressed by, you know, people that have a lot of money or people that have a lot of followers or that kind of stuff. Like that shit does not impress me at all. The only thing that impresses me is hard work. Like when I see someone like you who've like made a career for themselves through hard work and sheer perseverance, that's what I fucking am impressed by. I'm, I'm not even impressed by skill as in like, let's, let's take the example of like football or soccer. Like I was always more impressed by the players that work the hardest than the most skillful, talented person out there. Like mm. extreme talent that doesn't take much work doesn't impress me. Talent that comes from hard work that you have to really fucking work for, that's what impresses me. So can can hard work at some point, especially if you have a family, can it also become um a hindrance, a way to hide, an addiction? Can it be bad for you you know being the hardest worker in the 100 100 i think you know if if hard work means you ignore your family you ignore spending time with your, your kids you ignore your wife all that all that stuff yeah absolutely it's a balancing yeah. act for sure and when i talk about hard work i don't just mean hard workers in going to work i mean hard workers in a meaningful day is hard work so mm. stuff like you know, I get up at four thirty and I train early because I know in the evening I want to spend time with my kid. Like that's mm. that's hard right. work. That's right. like organizing your time and your day so that you can live the kind of life that you want to live. Um, if my kid gets home at like four pm and, and then at four thirty, so I'm I'm going to go train uh, and then when I get back, he's in bed. You know, that's that's not being a good father. That's not living a meaningful life. Right. So it's hard work is making your day meaningful in the sense that I want to, I want to tick the boxes of doing something meaningful at work, doing something healthy for myself, spending time with my family, spending time with my son. Um, where where then, did you get, where did you get your work ethic? Um, I know your parents are lovely people. Yeah, definitely, definitely my Is dad. it from your parents? Yeah, definitely my dad. Um, my dad was always like um, up at the crack of dawn after work, um, come home and often like work from home as well like he was always just a really hard working guy but also did like a ton of stuff around the house always building stuff always working on the car always in the garage um just like your atypical like dad's dad kind of, kind of guy and um yeah just I, i've always admired him i was always admi admired everything he did my grandfather also was a he's a coal miner works in the coal mines 
classic kind of like uh, blue collar uh, working guy who, um, you know. I see. No, it's interesting because I, I don't, you know, I don't know this about you, but I, I see where it comes from now. You know, the from the family yeah. tree. They're all they all like worked hard lives and did, like good hard honest workers kind right. of thing, and um, and none of them had a lot of money. You know, everyone, you know, they weren't like poor. Um, middle class kind of situation where they just yeah, had decent jobs. My dad was an engineer. Um but worked hard for it, worked hard for everything that they had, never got given anything, no silver spoons, just everything they they ground for. Um which you know you, that's the great thing. It's, it's almost it's almost such a blessing to not have rich parents because yeah yeah you, you get to witness how hard they work for everything that they have. Even if at the end of the day that means that doesn't mean extreme wealth. It just means you're able to provide for your family. Um, that is a gift. Like you see how a provider provides. You see how hard they work for everything that you have. You know, if you if you want, you know, presents at Christmas and if you want to have a big tree and if you want to, you know, go on a holiday somewhere, that takes hard work. And when you witness that firsthand, as I witnessed it, it's, you understand the value of hard work and the, the reward at the end of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, I have a really uh, a love-hate relationship with hard work. Um, I do respect it. So my parents came here with $500, two kids, and they had nothing. And you know they started from the ground. My mom was basically uh, working at a 7-Eleven, and she got held up a few times at gunpoint. My dad worked for the telephone company pulling cable. They worked so much that they were never home. So I got I didn't get a lot of emotional milk. Dad never took me fishing, never took me camping, was never around. So I res- but you know what? They had to do that to to live and to build a life for me. So I respect hard work, and um, I'm definitely I, I I find that I'm someone who can work hard, get obsessive. But I also know um, by having a family like that, the uh, the uh, the edge of hard work, meaning the consequences of how hard work can um, hold the family hostage, and suddenly yeah. no one's around. You know. But I, th- I think, and that that is that is the privilege that me and you have now, is that because your mom and dad worked so hard to establish you, you in America, you can now live a better life with your family uh, because be around you, because you can be around because you yeah. saw how hard they worked and that that meant less time with you and now you don't want to be in that situation you want to be in a situation where yeah i want to work hard i want to write these books but i want to spend time with my family um peter i don't I, leave I, my I, house because, because I, I i'm in my garage all day <laughs> i don't leave my house i'm in my garage all day <laughs> right um, but you you want to spend time with your family. You want to have those um, the experiences that you never got to have. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think I think in a way that was a gift, right? Because you know you know what you don't want. Yeah. So that means you make yeah. those changes. You you adjust. You you, you saw the, the repercussions of working so hard that you never see your family, and now you're like, well, I'm not going to be that that situation. I'm going to be like, yes, I'm going to work hard. Yes, I I know. What, what it means to be a hardworking guy and be successful, but I also know what it means to be present, to be a good dad, to be a good father. And, um, yeah, and, and 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 speaking of that, because we only have a, a few minutes left, I wanna I wanna tighten the vice a little bit. Uh, you know, I uh, uh, I've been doing some men's work. I've got a whole book about men, and uh, another thing that I see, and, and Pete, I think it's uh, you know you and I in our own little spaces. Um, um, we, we're, we're leaders, right? We're, we're leading communities. And I think so there's a responsibility. Um, one of the things that I also saw growing up was uh, the man, quote unquote, my dad, uh, who was also an alcoholic, never doing anything around the house. And um, I think it's changing now. And I think uh, what's going to change is um, people like us who are, quote unquote, doing, uh, you know, building our, our empires and doing everything we're doing, working hard, but also um, changing the blueprint as far as uh, domestically. My, my dad used to yell across the room for my mom to get him a glass of water and she would just do it every time. And, um, I never learned how to do uh, laundry, dishes, nothing. My mom did everything. Uh, and I think that's old school. I think that's, you know, the 50s, right? And I think with you and I, um, especially since we're the same age, the the uh, our generation, and now that we have kids, 
um, we're going to be the generation that changes things and redefines what what a man looks like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think growing up, you know, you can talk about like um, stereotypes and traditions and stuff. Obviously, both my parents were. Um, my dad did help around the house. Um, I probably my mother did more of the housework than my dad. Sure. Like I said, my dad was always doing stuff, whether it was fixing something in the house or needed fixing. Right um laundry my mom probably would do but it's not there was a balance there he was yeah 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 actually he would it's not like he came home and put his feet up like they right, were both working right, hard different right. things um and you know one of the, the things that i find myself i mean I, I do all the cooking in our house i mean i mean hex cooking so i do all of that um but then again she she she, she does do the laundry so there is a yeah. there is a balance there yeah. like i'll do something she'll do some things um and we both we both work together. Obviously, we, we have the same business together. We have a, a family together. There's a lot that there's a lot that we we do together, and it takes balance. It takes a lot of coordination. It takes a lot of understanding. A lot of patience. Um, but and you're you're kind of drawing on this a little bit here, John. It's interesting because masculinity has almost become like a, a toxic word, and people throw that term out toxic, toxic masculinity all the time. But I think. We need to find a balance between because I, I can still consider, consider myself like a masculine guy. Um, I like that there are certain. You're, you're 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 definitely obviously a masculine guy. You also have a lot of feminine energy and and masculine sure. feminine. It's not a gender thing. Um, no, exactly. You're sensitive, yeah. right? You're creative. You sing. Sure. There's a lot of lot of uh, uh, feminine energy. Not yes. not not like and yeah. And that 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 is a balance of like. It's, and it's okay. You, you have these different sides of yourself and these different um, different almost like roles that you step into in certain situations because I don't think, you know, masculine is a bad thing. I don't think testosterone is a bad thing. I don't think feminine is a bad thing. I think we need all these like elements to us um, to, to, to exist and to, to, to exist in a, in a kind of positive way and to have good relationships and to be the kind of family person that you're describing. Um, that is more of a, a balanced situation because you know the reality of the situation is if you both in your family unit if both partners work full time and you have both have jobs and you both have kids and stuff like that you you have to have kind of like an unwritten agreement of like well I'll take care of this stuff you take care of that stuff yeah of course of and course we'll, we'll kind of meet um, and, and I and I also struggle. It's nothing to do with masculine and feminine. Anymore. No, 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 it doesn't. Like, it's, yeah, it's not that. You do what's the stuff that you're better at? What's the stuff that I'm better at? I agree. I agree. I, I agree. Also, like, like you know, you you love cooking. You love barbecuing. That's your thing. Um, there may be a gift there. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't at all. So you know, um, I don't cook. But you know what? I also do the dishes almost every night. So right. Um, and I also struggle with it. So at home, I struggle with the blueprint that was passed down by my parents and what I saw which is old school and the shoots that I live with, which is, you know, women should cook, women should do the laundry, men should work on the cars and mow the lawn. Um, that's how I grew up. And that was imprinted in me. And so to kind of redefine those roles is very hard and challenging. You know, I struggle with it, but um, yeah, I, it's all, it's all just a conversation. And and that's also what's interesting to me is to talk with someone like you who has a lot of muscle and builds things and, and, you know, is very uh, good with your hands and uh but also sensitive and um you know you're on your own journey and uh i, I think a lot of people especially since you uh run a, a giant community um they look up to you or they see you uh they absorb things from you right how could they not so it's just i i admire anyone just kind of willing to uh yeah. talk think, about I it think you know the important, the important thing to, to remember there's no wrong or right as to how a relationship should look or what your what what the man should do or what the woman should do. It's like what makes sense for your relationship, and right. that may be defined by what you're passionate about, what sure. you're good at, what you're bad at, but also by like what your day what your day looks like. So, for example, like I'm I'm an early riser. Like I get up at four thirty five, get to the gym, do my workout, do it. So it makes more sense for me to do certain things in our day. Whereas Emily will get up a little bit later. She's way better at working later in the day than me. Yeah. Like past yeah. six pm, I'm fucking useless. Sure work like through the night and she she's amazing like to all hours because she has that ability i don't have that ability um i'm good in the morning i'm, I'm good right through to like 6 p.m and then i don't know what happens but when 7 p.m comes around my brain just dies and i'm good yeah. for nothing 
So those, those situations change what your day looks like. So really, it's just like looking at each other, realizing who you are, realizing what you're good at, what you're bad at, and deciding like, I'll, I'll take care of this stuff, you take care of that stuff, and together we'll make a life happen. And that's really, I just think, what relationships are all about. You know? Yeah, I mean, bring it, bring it back to relationships. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, ultimately, and this is the first time I think uh, I found this uh, with Vanessa, now that I have a, uh, technically have a family, is the word partnership, right? So I've been in a lot of relationships, but I don't think I've been in um, any true partnerships. And that's kind of what we're talking about, right, is, is the partnership. So whether you're building a business or what needs to be done at home or even raising a child – uh, there's a partnership here. So throw out the gender roles, throw out the the he should and she should, and kind of it's going to be customized to your own family and what works for you. Yeah, and I think at a certain point, you have to deal with reality, right? So you, you go into relationships with all these romantic ideas, or you might have preconceived romantic ideas about what relationships look like when you're when you're a kid. It's like this prince and princess situation, whatever. But when you, when you grow up a little bit, uh, you realize that there's a reality to the situation and that reality is a partnership. Like we have yeah. to make a life work. We have to make yeah. the situation work. We have to be able to take care of business. We have to be able to pay our bills. We have to be able to look after our children. And that's just a reality that you have to manage. Um, and not like you should run your relationship like a company, but it is a realization. Like we both in this shit together. We both have to make this work. We have to yeah. work together um, to, to, to make things, you know, make the days tick. Um, and, that's why you can't i mean you see these people like they go into a relationship like it is a fairy tale they have this enormously expensive wedding and then it all falls apart within within a year because they didn't consider okay there's actually a reality to existing together sure Um, and once they experience that reality of existing together they can't deal with it because they realize it isn't a fairy tale it's a reality Uh, and life you know life just isn't a fairy tale unfortunately um, I mean that's uh that's kind of the whole concept of this whole book that happily ever after is uh, uh you know is um something we've been fed in that relationship I believe uh partnerships are built not um you know the the fantasy that that we've been fed hey as we end can we can we talk a little bit about why um Pharaohs everyone at Pharaohs doesn't like me why do you think that is Peter yeah, it's kind of awkward is it because I'm arrogant or because I have a resting bitch face. Because also Ryan Rockford has a resting bitch face as well. She actually, let's 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 finish on this because this is one of my, my favorite things to talk about. Um, there's a difference between the public self and the private self, right? And you and me, we're both better online than we are in real life. And what oh, I mean man. by that is, you, you better start using some I statements again, Peter. Well, you you are notoriously bad in public <laughs> situations, right? So online. You're great. You're recording videos with the you're, time. You say people when people really get to know me, they're disappointed, is what you're saying. Right, you're saying, right. oh, he it's doesn't like, line up with what he what he portrays to be. I I I, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I, I think um I think I could come off as kind of uh because I'm not a smiley guy. I think I could come off as a little arrogant. You, on the other hand, are very warm. And uh when you when you come into a room, you're smiley, you're very warm. I'm a lot closed off, I'm an introvert. So I think people yeah. uh mistake that as arrogance. I don't uh, know if it's arrogance i think i think sometimes people mistake insecurity for rudeness and i see it a lot so people people i didn't say i was insecure i said i was an introvert (laughs) you're definitely insecure people judge people like on how they behave it's like that guy's so rude he must be an asshole it's like maybe yeah yeah yeah. maybe because because the the person didn't like reach out or say hi first maybe they're just uncomfortable in the situation maybe this just isn't the theater in which they feel like they can thrive um Whereas, like, I think I, like, I still think I'm better online than I am in real life. I think I'm a disappointment in real life. But um, I will I say, I do, I do love, I do love being, in, like, I love coaching because I love being in a room um, and almost commanding that room and having people, like, yeah. listen and understand. And I love getting the best out of people. I, I, I love that. I love drawing people's energies out of them and watching them explode. Um, Whereas, um, I've witnessed that with your fucking jean shorts and, uh, yeah. Yeah. You do that through your, through your books and through your work, right? That's how you bring that. People read your words and you bring something out of them, whether it's a revelation or whether it's an understanding or whatever it is, you use the written word to extract something good out of people. Whereas I typically have used performance in some sense Mm. to get the best out of people. So, Hey, you, you know what else it is, is, um, 
Dude, because I'm, you know, uh, either podcasting or on my phone or, or writing a book all day, when I come to Pharaoh's, um, I almost want the time that you want where you kind of want to be left alone and just yeah. want to like do your thing. So when I take class, of course, I like bumping chest, talking a little bit, but I kind of like go into my own introvert yeah, and yeah, weird. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure people are like, that guy's kind of a dick. And also, I think because uh, I've been crossfitting for so long, um, I'm, I'm old and beatable. And so I think people just because I'm not I'm not like, you know, good, so good that they can't. But I'm not like a, a beginner. I'm kind of like in the middle. And so they're like, oh, I'm going to beat that fucker. <laughs> so I think a lot of people chase me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of things. But I think part of it is, like you said, it's like it's your it's your time to just like get, get into your own world. Just do your yeah. thing. Get in, get out. I think you're busy. I get it. You want to get in. You want to get out. You want to do your thing. Um, but. I think it is good. I think you'll, I think you'll be happier if you just, and you do it when I'm there and you'll do it. If Jeff's there, if you take a moment to like converse with people and get to know people. Like For I sure. The joy yeah. brings out of you. I need to stretch myself and uh, make eye contact, shake hands, right. uh, make, make Pharaoh's my community instead of just Pete and Jeff. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fuck Jeff. I don't even know who Jeff is anymore. So yeah, just be, but Hey, um, I want to say a couple of things before we end. Um, Hey man, I'm really proud of you because I've, uh, witnessed you from being my roommate in Los Feliz, walking the, the, the nights with, um, you know, coffee aimlessly and clueless with no passion to now. Um, I mean, Ferris was a, a shed. It was a shed that you guys turned into a huge gym. And now you're opening a second one in Idlewild. Um, you had a baby. You have another one coming. Uh, yeah, man. I just uh, watching you manifest this uh, poster in your head of the ranch and, and your dream has been really inspiring. So, thanks, brother. Um, I mean, you yeah. too, man. I, I, as you said, like you know, we've come a long way from like walking the streets of Las Vegas drinking decaf, um, and to see you like and comparing uh, our frying pans with our frying pans. All these years later, with all these books and so much. It's you know, it's not just the the books that I see like you've really come out of yourself in these last few years, like your online presence, even your writing so much better. Like the things you say, I don't know if it's just you're plagiarizing more people. Um, Most likely that uh, I have a copywriter and also a ghostwriter as well. Who's written all my books. I, I think you're whatever, whatever it is that's happened to you in the last few years, like you've really found your voice. You've really found the way to express yourself. It feels right. It feels genuine. I know in your heart, you're always worried about people not seeing you as genuine. Um, but I want you to know that it does come across as genuine and i think you've really found your voice and you found your audience and you've really used the skill sets that you have to make the best of yourself and the best of your life and the best of your situation and i'm super happy for you and vanessa i'm really glad you bought a house in idaho so you could be close to me um that's really sweet and uh, i look forward to sitting in your hot tub and drinking whiskey soon yeah thank you peter i, I appreciate that yeah, you're very kind we're going to be porch friends which means uh sitting on a porch drinking um um whiskey and looking back at all the days and how far we've come so. yeah. what, what's that in blankets, in blankets. blankets. yeah we're gonna be cold and old yeah. well uh yeah thank you for having me on your podcast and you uh oh wow, that was my podcast oh i thought it was your podcast okay great it was my podcast okay yes <laughs> all right uh, go build something thanks buddy. be well